We have had just extraordinary feedback about the show and about the space. It's been really exciting just to see see people's response and immediately everybody says wow about the space. Um, even people who are on their fifth or sixth visit, they're still saying, wow, this is really incredible. This is really of a museum caliber. I've never been to a gallery like this. Um, and they're loving the work too. You know, I think because of the range of Walter's work, there's something that everybody can sort of latch onto or identify with or have have a comment about. Um, and it was important for us. One of the things that University Gallery's reputation is built on is giving artists their first career surveys. Um, and so it really made sense for us to lead off with a show like that. Welcome to the Studio Break Podcast. I'm your host, David Linaway. For today's 129th episode, Kendra Pates from Illinois State University Galleries joins me to talk about their new exhibition space, as well as the exhibition by Walter Robinson, which closes December 22nd. So we are very excited to have her back on. And of course, we previously spoke with her about House of the Seven Gables and Violet Poe Projects. So you can check those out. Of course, if you're new to Studio Break, we are a podcast and blog site. We have a variety of different artists. They come on, they speak with me about their studio practice, and we share these interviews on studiobreak.com. Again, if you go there, you can find images of the artist's work, links to their websites, links to social media so that you can share it and get the word out. And just remember, if you want to peruse those archives, there's an archive button right there on the left. Go month by month, check out all the great podcasts that you miss, or just go to the iTunes store and subscribe. So, again, you can check out plenty of free podcasts. Our interview with Kendra is coming up right now, so thanks for listening. Stay tuned. Welcome back, Kendra Pates. How are you this afternoon? I'm doing great, Dave. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, by the way. But again, it's it's so nice to have you back on. I think the last time that you were on, we were talking about House of the Seven Gables, which is a exhibition that you curated at Illinois State University, where you currently are a curator. So again, great to have you back on. That's great. Thank you. Yes, that that exhibition, it was really fun to speak with you about. Um, the catalog actually just came out, so we're really excited that the exhibition continues to have its own life, and now we have this lovely artifact of the project. Yeah, very cool to be able to to see all the reproductions from the shows, and I know that ISU Galleries does a lot of different catalogs, and again, we talked to Barry at the beginning of the year when you know, he had been talking about, um, you know, compiling all the work for the uh, the Walter Robinson show. And, you know, he had been talking about, you know, essentially what they've been kind of building there or what ISU has been building there in terms of an exhibition space, um, you know, since he started there. So it's, again, interesting to to have you back on after there's a, a new uh, facelift of the whole space. So, Yeah, facelift is definitely putting it mildly. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Yeah, we're so excited about the new space. Um, it's a partnership between Illinois State University and the town of Normal. And so for people who haven't yet visited it, we've moved off campus.
campus into Uptown Normal and have this beautiful new street-level space. We have on-site parking. We're located directly under a parking deck, actually. Um, and so we have a street address. We're surrounded by hotels and restaurants and bars. And it's just really exciting to be a part of all of the renovation that's been going on in Uptown Normal, but also with ISU. Sure. And again, I mean, you know, the, the current show right now is uh, Walter Robinson. There's there's tons and tons of space in there. So one of the first things that, you know, one notices walking in is just how how it just kind of continues to go on and on. So it, it's something that we're so excited about. I mean, we loved our old space, you know, our main gallery space in our old building was 4,000 square feet with three additional classroom-sized galleries. Um, Here, including storage space, we have close to 8,500 square feet. Um, But some of the key differences are, well, the ceiling height, for instance, in a few of the spaces, it's up to 18 feet high. Um, And we also have a lot of windows, so we're getting a lot of natural light. So while our old space was very beautiful and we were very proud of it. Um, this just feels so elegant and grandiose and stately and we're still frankly pinching ourselves just a little bit that this is where we get to exhibit work and work with artists and bring in the community and the students. Sure, sure. And and so let's talk a little bit about the, the Walter Robinson exhibition. I think the first question I have is kind of a silly logistical one, but how, how many works are in the exhibition um, that's up right now? I believe there are 94. Um, So this is an exhibition that Barry Blinderman, our director, curated. Um, He's known Walter for 30 around 30 years, and he has really wanted to do this show, um, and it was just the right timing for both him and Walter. Um, So this is actually Walter's first career survey. Um, 35 years' worth of work are are represented. The earliest works from 1979, and then it continues all the way up through this year. So it's really nice to see this this entirety of his practice. Um, So 94 paintings sounds like a lot, um, but he was selecting from over 800, I think, um, to to put this show together. And um, Barry's trying to show the range um, of what Walter has worked on over the course of his career. So instead of focusing on one particular body of work, be it the spin arts or the -the over-the-counter pharmaceuticals or um, portraiture related to the New York downtown scene in the 80s, Um, he's really showing the breadth of Walter's career. And it's really important. I mean, Walter has played a really influential role for so many other artists, and he's known um, predominantly for his writing. He was the editor of um, Artnet magazine. He wrote for the East Village Eye. He was a member of Collaborative Projects, Collab, involved with Artright magazine. And so he has shown his paintings, um, and he was included in really important shows in the 80s and has continued showing them since then. But this was a chance to really bring all of that work together. And it's amazing how it holds the space. You know, we're used to 13-foot high ceilings, and here we have anywhere from 12 to 18 feet high ones. Um, So that's really exciting. And in addition to 
bringing all of this work together, Barry's also publishing the first monograph for Walter's work. So um, he received funding from the Illinois Arts Council and the Elizabeth Firestone Graham Foundation for this project. Um, and the book will be, I believe, 144 pages, so profusely illustrated, um, and it will have essays and conversations by Barry and Charles Stuckey, an art historian, and Vanessa Schulman, who's one of our art history professors here. Wow, yeah. Again, there's a, there's a lot going on, so... Um... There is, and we were grateful to have Walter out um, right before the opening risk reception, he did a public gallery walk. And that was really exciting, too, because that was one of our first real events in the new space. Um, There had been a reception hosted by the president's office prior to that, but that was an invitation-only reception. So this was our first real public event, um, and it was part of the grand opening. So we had Walter's talk and the opening reception, and then a performance by Marvin Tate as part of our New Sounds concert series. And we were really thrilled because in addition to a lot of familiar faces, we saw so many people who were new visitors to the gallery, and we felt like that was a really good sign that people are interested in what's going on, not just with the new space, but with our programming. And I'm curious, you know, like in terms of specifically like curating for this exhibition, you know, how do you how do you organize all of these different spaces and I guess um, make those kind of decisions in terms of what what groups of work gets get grouped together? You know, it's something that's sort of unique to each show. Actually, um, Barry would be able to talk to you more specifically about the process he went through, um, partially because I was on leave. I had a baby while he was working on this, so I mm-hmm. was away for part of that time. But a lot of it is through conversations with the artists. You know, he did visits to his studio. They had phone calls. They were looking at work. They would send images back and forth. Um, part of it is... Yes, thinking about the space, how much work it can hold, how to use the divisions within the gallery itself, because we have two large gallery spaces and then a few smaller gallery spaces, some that face the street with windows. Um, So part of setting up the show involved thinking about what work would communicate through the windows for people who are walking past, for people who are driving past. Um, Something that we're able to do here because of having these windows is leave the lights on so that the work can be on view at all times. Even if we're closed, people can still see a decent amount of the show through the windows. The architecture is different here, too. You know, I mentioned that we're located right under a parking deck. So one of our main galleries actually has a slanted ceiling, and one of the walls actually slants to follow that contour. And so for that particular wall, Barry laid out um, five paintings, and rather than center aligning them, which is something that we typically do if we have works set up in a row, he bottom aligned them and set them up in descending order of height so that they kind of mirrored or mimicked that that slanted line, the slope of that roof. Um, and it was, I mean, he had a lot of fun, really. We, we helped, but this is really, this show is his baby. This is one he's been thinking about for a long time. And one of those 18-foot high walls, he put a grid of nine really brightly colored spin art paintings on it. And it's just nice to have the flexibility to try things like that that maybe we couldn't do before. It's exciting to think about the way that the audience 
can receive it in a variety of different ways maybe that they couldn't before. And I think I'm also, especially in this show, interested in the way that, you know, current students might receive it, especially because you have an artist that's exploring, you know, a number of different you know, veins of work over a number of years to kind of see how that process develops and changes. How has the exhibition been received uh, on a whole? Oh, yeah. I mean, for us, that's one of the most exciting things. We love working with artists. We love working with the public and talking about the work. Um, making relationships among bodies of work is really, I mean, that's one of the things we get so excited about. We have had just extraordinary feedback about the show and about the space. Um, we've had, you know, we always have done exhibition tours and had concerts and performances and lectures, all sorts of things, but we're having them on a more frequent scale now, and we're having, I think it's safe to say we're having greater attendance with them. We've had constant exhibition tours um, ranging from second graders coming over from their school to university courses to um, people in their book groups um, to city managers. It's been really exciting just to see see people's response and immediately everybody says wow about the space. Um, even people who are on their fifth or sixth visit, they're still saying wow, this is really incredible. This is really of a museum caliber. I've never been to a gallery like this. Um, and they're loving the work too. You know, I think because of the range of Walter's work, there's something that everybody can sort of latch onto or identify with or have, have a comment about. Um, and it was important for us. One of the things that university galleries reputation is built on is giving artists their first career surveys. Um, and so it really made sense for us to lead off with a show like that. Um, also, it's really great because we have all of these events. It's really nice that we have, from a purely logistical standpoint, it's really nice to have the space filled with two-dimensional work where we're able to host so many of these other types of events, all of these lectures and concerts, and we don't have to be so concerned about um, floor space for those things. That won't be the case in every show, of course. But something that something that has been helpful. But it's just really been so fulfilling and so rewarding to see how people are interacting. And we have so many new collaborations or expanded collaborations going on with other organizations and other departments already. Um, and our grand opening was just just under two months ago. You know, you kind of mentioned, too, just, I guess, different logistics for different exhibitions. And obviously, with the with the new setup, there's, you know, different video projection equipment and, you know, different, yes. different possibilities. So how do you decide, you know, what you're going to exhibit? And could you preview some of the shows that are coming up in the space? Sure. Well, we have our spring exhibition calendar set. Um, we haven't finalized everything for next year. We're working on that right now, which is not typical. Usually we're scheduled anywhere from one to three years in advance. But because we wanted to give ourselves a little bit of space to get to know the galleries and get to know our new location, get to see how people walk through the spaces, um, and also just seeing how our role might be changing as we have this even more public presence than before. Um, so we scheduled ourselves through the spring and finalized all of that. Um, the 
next show. So Walter's show ends on December 21st. And then we're closed for a little while over the holidays. And the next show will be the MFA biennial. Um, you know, the exhibitions that we do with students and faculty and alumni are so important to us. You know, being a part of the university, we feel so connected. And even though we're off campus now, I mean, we're literally only a two-block walk. That's what I keep telling people, that it's only five minutes away. It's like walking to, if you're familiar with campus, it's like walking to Milner Library. But if you're on any other campus, I mean, two blocks is nothing. Um, and so the MFA biennial is an exciting time for us because we get to work with all of the current MFA students in the School of Art at ISU. So for this year, there are 17 students working in a range of media, um, glass, painting, um, printmaking, sculpture, across the board. Um, and so they will all be showing new work and that will fill most of our spaces. Um, some of them are creating installations. So thinking too about how we'll use the window galleries for that, for that exhibition. Um, one of the things that, when I mentioned logistics earlier, one of the things we've run into with this show is just the quantity of artists who are working in three dimensions. And we need to have one large gallery space that's that has that floor space available that I mentioned for all of the concerts and lectures and screenings that we talked about. Um, so when you mentioned the projectors, um, both of our large galleries are equipped to handle these presentations. Um, so we have a dedicated projector and a drop-down screen. We push a button and it drops down out of the ceiling. We have this wonderful AV system where there are speakers hanging down over over the audience in all of the spaces, and we can turn turn them on in gallery one and the lobby or galleries one and two or all of the galleries um, so that people who are attending these events, um, previously somebody sitting in the front row would get blasted out by the speakers while people in the back couldn't necessarily hear what was going on. So we're really excited about that. Um, but for the MFA Biennial, we need to have space to accommodate those events. So one challenge for this show was mapping out all of the galleries in such a way that we could leave a large gallery space largely free of three-dimensional work. Um, and so we've come to a resolution on that. Um, simultaneously, during the MFA Biennial in our Gallery 3, which we um, conceived of as a black box video space or a project space or additional gallery space as we were working with the architects. Um, our new curator, Kristen Krolowitz, has invited Mika Rotenberg to show her video Sneeze. So it's about, it's roughly three minutes long and that will be on view for the duration of the biennial too. Um, so both of those shows run from January 15th to February 15th. And the video itself is really funny. It's inspired by Thomas Edison's motion study, Kinetoscopic Record of a Sneeze from 1894. And it shows these men with large sculpted noses sneezing out light bulbs and rabbits. And it's really funny. So I think people will, will enjoy that as well. Um, so those are our first shows of the spring semester. And then we have three more coming up after that. But I'll, I'll take a moment in case you have any questions. <laughs> sure, sure. No, it's it's again. It's really interesting that the uh, MFA biennial is coming up. You know, of course, um, it's something that that I actually try to make it, make it down to to 
you know, just see a lot of work. But I mean, it's got to be especially, I don't know, really interesting, but also maybe something that kind of like, um, I don't know, people better step up their game almost, you know, it's got to be kind of a little bit disconcerting, um, you know, to kind of be in such a new and, and wonderful space, you know. It's, you know, I think they're, the students are really excited about it. Um, right before I came back from leave, Barry and Kristen had a meeting with them, just giving them a tour of the space and saying, look, you have this much space to use and you have these high ceilings. So if you want to make large work, if you want to really go for something new, try something new, this is the time to do it. Um, and so it's been just really exciting to see what they're working on. And this show is a little bit different for us. The MFA biennial, the student annual, and the faculty biennial are all a little bit different from a project that one of us curates. Um, you asked a little bit about that. Um, so typically when we're curating a project, we decide all of the work ahead of time. We have a layout. We know where the work is going to make sure we can accommodate everything we need to. Um, whereas with the MFA biennial and faculty biennial, we know roughly what's coming in and we set up a plan for it but we always kind of change it up as the work comes in because suddenly you see new relationships among work once it's all physically in the space um the student annual is just a total whirlwind where we're just on our feet and making decisions on the fly um because for that show and that will be opening in april so this is a show we do every year um for that show, we accept entries so people physically drop off their artwork to be juried by external jurors. Um, they drop off their work on a Tuesday as we're finishing taking down the show before it. And then on a Wednesday, the graphic design and the studio art jurors come in and decide which works are in the show and which ones receive prizes. And then on Thursday, a list is posted so students are able to see if their work was accepted or not. Um, and then people take their work away if, unfortunately, it wasn't accepted. And then, so basically from Thursday afternoon through Tuesday at 5 o'clock, we have to decide a layout on all of this work we haven't necessarily seen before, install it. It's usually anywhere from 80 to 100 works. Light it, label it. Um, so that shows a very quick turnaround time where you never know exactly what you're getting ahead of time. So that would be one difference from some of the curated shows. Sure. And, and again, I think, you know, something that you had mentioned earlier, too, is that kind of like larger connection between, you know, the current students and the faculty that are there that it's a community that that's that seems very involved, but then it kind of again extends out to alumni. No, I think it's true. I mean, something that I think is very special about ISU is the class sizes are small, so professors and students really get to work together and get to know each other. The other students get to know each other too. At the gallery, we have a very open door policy. We end up working very closely with a lot of students and faculty. And I think that it's more, it's a climate that pushes students to think critically, but it's also very nurturing. Um, I don't feel like this program encourages a competitive nature. You know, I think mm -hmm. it's very collegial. I think a lot of people develop lifelong friendships, um, as silly as that phrase might sound. I mean, <laughs> it really is true. And I think that 
the alumni really connect with one another. And an artist that I was exhibiting a few years ago is an alum, and he had to unstretch one of his paintings in order for it to fit in any sort of transportation. Um, and so one of our student workers at the gallery, who was a BFA student, restretched the painting for him when it arrived here. And so when he came down for the opening reception and to do his gallery walk, um, they met and they ended up developing a little bit of a friendship. He did a studio visit with her. And when she graduated and moved to Chicago, he's one of the people who helped her get her first job in the city. And I just love those, those little moments of connection and those kind of ripples and how they keep extending outward. Well, and this is biased because, you know, I'm an alum, but, you know, I think there's a, a idea of having students leave there, I don't know, thinking about what it's like to be an artist, you know, to, to really be an artist and to really, you know, be stretching yourself in the studio and, and you know, exploring and not, not from like, I don't know, the, maybe like a more, I don't know, academic setting. So, again, I, that's something that I kind of really always appreciated. Um, yeah. I think we have really strong faculty in a variety of areas. I think the gallery really tries to bring in a lot of, um, you know, a lot of exciting artists who are working in completely different veins. Um, also, the visiting artist program through the School of Art, the idea that the students have, you know, pretty consistent exposure to professional artists from all over the country and occasionally internationally is really it's really wonderful. Um, and because of the scale of the program, the students really, I think, are sometimes able to develop relationships with those artists who are coming in from outside of the university as well. And do you have any current exhibitions, project, research that you're doing on artists for some upcoming shows that you personally as a curator are putting together, working on that you could, you know, just kind of preview a little bit? Two things that are dominating a lot of my time at the moment are solo exhibitions I'm curating for February. Um, one is with Juan Angel Chavez, an artist based in Chicago, and the other is with Laura Latinsky, a photographer based in Chicago. Um, so I'm working pretty consistently on those shows at the moment, um, finalizing the exhibition plans and developing the programming related to it. Um, for Juan's show, we have so many educational outreach opportunities happening, um, workshops for teachers, workshops for kids, collaborations with the Children's Discovery Museum and the Ecology Action Center. Um, he's somebody that I've been working with toward this project for about a year and a half, and he's really known for creating these immersive sculptural installations. Um, and so oftentimes for his projects, he creates one of those, and that's the project. Um, what we're doing here is um, a combination of exhibiting earlier work, and he's creating new work for the show. Um, so in that space that I mentioned that's sort of like a black box or a project space, um, I'm installing models or maquettes of all of those earlier sculptural installations with photographic and video documentation of them to function sort of as a survey of his practice leading up to the new work that he's creating for this show. Um, and most of the work that he's creating for this show is inspired by the idea of the hunter-gatherer and somebody who's very resourceful. One of the things he's building for the show is a 12-foot-wide circular hut made out of salvaged clothing. Um, he's also making sculptures out of hair extensions that he found. He's always kind of finding materials and finding ways to reuse them. 
And then Laura Latinsky will have a solo show at the same time. Um, so she'll be in the other gallery spaces and it will feature two series of her work um, that she's been working on in the past few years. One is called Ill Form and Void Full, and the other is called Albeit. And for Ill Form and Void Full, she's creating, really photographing these still lifes that she constructs in her studio from fragments of images that she cuts out of home decorating magazines and even from some of her earlier photographs. Um, so some of the work that people might be most familiar with from her are these tabletop still lives featuring the remnants of maybe a party or a meal with spilled wine glasses or um, rotting fruit, orange rinds, um, tableware, things like that. Um, but now she is actually using images and a few objects and photographing those together. Um, and then for her Albeit series, she's taking these fragments of images, but instead of physically constructing them in the studio and photographing them, she's actually building them up on a flatbed scanner and then using the scanner as the camera. So sort of removing that, um, removing that control of light and sense of depth that, that she has with the camera. So those are the two primary things I'm focusing on at the moment. Also working on a small catalog for Juan's show. Um, coming up, we haven't sent out the announcement about it. We'll be doing it in January, though. For this summer, 2015, we're doing a large alumni exhibition um, in honor of the College of Fine Arts 40th anniversary, a few years ago, we did something called the Alumni Spectacular, where we opened it up to alumni and did an open call exhibition. Um, and then we gave a few spatial parameters, but otherwise installed whatever work each artist sent us. Um, and it was really wonderful. We had around 240 artists who participated. Um, and so it will be this summer, it will have been five years since we did that, and we felt like it was a wonderful opportunity. We have this beautiful new space. It's a great time to come back to that idea and make it as inclusive as possible, try to bring as many people together and invite them to really experience the space and feel like they're a part of it. So those are three main things we're working on. I'm always working on future ideas. There are so many artists that I'm interested in um, and some group show ideas that I'm interested in. Um, one that I'm hoping to write some grants for, um, some research grants for, is thinking about artists predominantly in the late 90s and early 2000s who are making work inspired by horror movies. Um, several artists working with Psycho, Amityville Horror, Rosemary's Baby, this whole range of American horror movies. Um, I'm also submitting grants right now for a group exhibition featuring um, contemporary female artists who are making work specifically inspired by 19th century and early 20th century female poets and novelists. And so hoping to get some money for that because it would that show both of those shows would involve extensive shipping um, and catalogs. And you know, we do we do a lot here and we're very proud of it, but we're always always hustling, trying to trying to raise funds, trying to write grants, um, to do the projects and serve the artists in a way that we feel um, really helps them.
Excellent. You know, again, it's it's going to be really exciting to see all these uh, these shows as they they open, and you know, again, to see more and more exhibitions in the space. To I don't know, it's almost like a, a an individual too. You know, like to see what this new space can do. So yeah, that's that's how we're really viewing it. Um, you know, we're just excited. We're still learning it. Um, I've told some people that the old space I've been involved with for so long. I've spent so much time there that in between studio visits, I've sat in a park in Brooklyn just sketching up shows because I know exactly what this particular wall can hold or what this particular sight line is like. And I'm still really thinking about that here. I think we're all still acclimating in that way, trying to gain that familiarity with it. Um, And also, you know, in terms of setting up an exhibition, it's important to know how people navigate the space. Um, So thinking about which galleries people walk to first, which walls do they seem to gravitate to first? Because when you're laying out an exhibition, you're really telling a story. And so ideally, you don't want somebody to enter it in the middle or see it in reverse, at least their first time. Right. Well, Again, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to speak with me. And I, again, I hope that people uh, check out the uh, the current exhibition. Again, there's a, a little bit over a week left for Walter Robinson, and then there's a, a slew of other shows coming up. So I hope people check it out. But again, thanks so much, Kendra, for taking the time. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. We really appreciate your your consistent support for our programming and what we're doing and, and for the alums, too. You've been doing so much featuring alumni of this program, and I think that's really helpful to keep getting the word out about what they're doing as well. Thanks once again to Kendra for joining us. Please go check out Illinois State University Galleries. You can see there's plenty of dates there from the calendar that we discussed, so you can plan a trip and go check out the space. Also, take some time to check out the bookstore. Once again, House of the Seven Gables, the catalog is now available, as well as a number of other catalogs like Post-Hypnotic or Michelle Grabner's Suburban. And I'll also remind listeners that we did interview Barry Blenderman at the beginning of the year, episode 101. So if you want more history of the transition and Barry's transitioning from New York, it's a great episode. So please check that out, episode 101. We would like to remind you that we have a number of additional podcasts available on Studio Break. Again, each of those have images of the artist's works, the guest's work as well as links to their websites, these lengthy interviews that you can listen to right there with the streaming player, or you can follow that link to go to the iTunes store and subscribe to the podcast. You can follow us on a number of different social media platforms, so please like our Facebook page to get updates. If you want, you can follow our Tumblr account, that's studio-break.tumblr, or you can always tweet us at Studio Break, and again, it's a fun way to reach out to us, so please do that. We do want to thank Skylar Mail for providing the music for Studio Break. He is a visual artist, musician. You can check out his work at SkylarMail.com. If you'd like to find out more about me, your host, David Linaway, you can check out my website, DavidLinaway.com. And that is the end of our episode. Again, I hope you check out some interesting Studio Break interviews. We hope that you enjoyed listening. We really appreciate it. And we'll talk to you real soon.